We're going to start in Matthew 16 today. Matthew 16. I'm curious, how many of you were ever at our first building? The first building on Downs. James, Adam, and Dad. All right. My dad's here. If you haven't met him yet, make sure you get a chance to meet him. Uh, he's driving, just moved to Ohio, driving back to Tennessee to drop off a trailer and pick up the last little bit there. Uh, Downs Avenue, 707 Downs Avenue, just on the other side of Liberty, or New Circle. So you go up Liberty Road, up New Circle, past the post office thing, all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's a little little road, dead ends at the bottom of the road. Um, 707 Downs Avenue, quite the place, uh, exciting place. Then we went to 501 East New Circle. Who was in that building? Who'd been to that building? All right, Darius, Diane, and then James and Dad. All right, very good. And then Adam. Yeah, sorry. You didn't raise your hand, I don't think. I didn't see it. Um, and then, of course, everybody's been in this building. So it's been, it really is exciting to see the progress. Each building, there were pros and cons to each of them. Um, at Downs, it just wasn't a good location. Uh, it was upstairs. The inside was nice. It really was. It was, it was very spacious, very nice. Um, we had some wall dividers that we put up to make the auditorium uh, not so big and, and uh, nice little nursery. It was downstairs. Everything else was upstairs. So I don't know how ideal that was, but uh, uh, it was nice then. 501 East New Circle, it fit us very well, very small. Um, we had a nursery, classroom, bathroom, uh, two bathrooms actually. Every, every place we've had, we've had two bathrooms, which if you ask church planners, that's a miracle. Um, and uh, I, had, I had church planners tell me in every building we've been in, I'm jealous of your building. I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but uh, there are definitely positives to each of them. 501 East New Circle gave us a little visibility, but still being upstairs um, just wasn't the best place. And then the Lord uh, gave us this place, which has by far been the best building that we've been in. And uh, we're excited about it and what the Lord holds for us in the future as well. This morning I would like to preach on five things God will do in the years ahead. Now, this is... Uh, uh, anticipatory, is that a word? Um, I'm anticipating what God will do uh, in our church in the past. And I'm going to do five things He will do. And this afternoon we'll look at five things He has done. Um, and they're going to be eerily similar in both, in both, uh, uh, both messages. But uh, this morning I'd like us to look at five things that God will do in the years ahead. I am always looking forward to what God will do in this church. Um, from day one... It has always been, what will God do? And at times, God will do this. I'm going to hold fast to promises. I'm going to hold fast to the calling that God has given me and my family to come to Lexington. And I, I will know that, that He's done that for a purpose. And so anytime that there were, there were, there were low moments, anytime there were hard moments, there had to be a, a hope, a holding to the hope that God has given me. I called you here to do, to do something. Um, so just keep doing it. And uh, you all are part of that now. Some of you have been a part of it for five years. Others have been a part of it for a couple months uh, or a couple weeks. But uh, uh, let's look at five things that God's going to do. Let's pray and then we'll, and then we'll look at it. Lord, we do thank you for what you uh, have given this morning for us to look at. And Lord, I do pray as we look at these, these things that we anticipate you doing in our church in the years to come, Lord, I pray that you would give us a heartbeat. I pray that you would give us a fervor. I pray that you would give us a focus to accomplish your will in our church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to unite us as a church. I'm thankful for the spirit that you've given our church. 
Lord, I pray that you would continue to unite us. Lord, as we continue to grow, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to welcome in the new. Lord, I pray that you would uh, keep us as a church that loves people, no matter who they are. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, use us to reach more people than we have to this point. Lord, help us in, as we look at your word this morning to grow from it. Help us to learn from it. Help us to be encouraged by it. And Lord, I pray that you would grow our vision because of it. Help me to present these things clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Five things that God will do in the years ahead. Number one, He will build His church. Look in Matthew 16, verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse number 18, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here I believe there's some argument to exactly what the rock is that Christ is speaking of when He talks to Peter. I believe He is building His church upon one main principle, the rock, that is Jesus is Christ. Peter here and Christ are having a conversation in verse 13. Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, un, uh, they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, which you just said, the principle that you just stated, uh, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We always have to keep in mind that church growth comes from God. Sometimes we can run uh, different uh, programs that are good. Uh, I'm not, I'm not anti-program. Uh, I'm all for kids' programs and teen programs and adult programs. I'm all for that kind of stuff. But we cannot uh, depend on programs to grow the church. We cannot depend on our great personality to grow the church. Uh, I do not depend on my preaching to grow the church and neither should you. Uh, we, we depend solely on Christ to grow the church. Now, we are supposed to be obedient to Christ, which is what we'll talk about this more, but uh, it is sharing the gospel. We talk about that regularly. Getting out, fulfilling the Great Commission, preaching to every creature the gospel. <clears throat> if we do that, God will bless that, and He will grow the church. If we sit around with our hands in our pockets, talking to no individuals, whatsoever, I cannot imagine that God would bless that. Um, but it is God who grows the church. I have been oftentimes surprised of people who come to the church and, how did you find us? Well, we found you on the internet, which is great because if you Google Baptist churches in Lexington, which there are hundreds, uh, you'll find us on like page four or five or six on the Google pages. So you have to go through a lot to find us. If you type in independent Baptist churches in Lexington, I haven't done that in a while. I don't know where we are on that list. Um, if you look on different websites, you might find us easier. But the point is, people come, they find us through just different avenues. We had Jeff come in on Wednesday night. Jeff pulled in, and, uh, and he got out of his car, came in, introduced himself. And Jeff is from Michigan, uh, from Jackson, Michigan. And uh, we started talking. We, we kind of knew some people in common. And I said, how did you find 
us. He was here for business. How'd you find us? I found you online. Okay, very neat. Now, what I'm saying is, is although we have are listed online, although we have a Facebook page, although we have a Twitter account that we don't use, although we have uh, 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 whatever we have, God brings people to the church. Now, I believe He does that as a result of our faithfulness and our prayers, and in doing so, God rewards. But it is nothing that we do that grows the church outside of God rewarding our obedience to Him. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I think this, this illustrates that point uh, very clearly. Acts chapter 2, we see an explosion in the church. We go through Pentecost, uh, where the Holy Spirit had come over the, the, the apostles and they're preaching. Everyone can understand in their own tongue. Uh, thousands of people are coming to the Lord. And we see in Acts chapter 2, let's look at the end of, of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40, let's start in verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. All of those things are good things, right? I think we would agree with that. All those things are good things. They continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread, which is continued fellowship, and in prayers. We would say all good. Verse 43, And fear came upon every soul. That's a good kind of fear. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. God gave the apostles the ability to heal and to do different things. And all that believed were together and had all things common. That's, that's rare in church today for everybody to have all things common. In common, uh, look in verse number forty-six or forty-five. Excuse me. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Is that good? Yes, it is. They're helping people. You need something here. I will sell this so that I can help you get what you need. They're giving. They're they're being hospitable. They're caring for each other. All good. Verse forty-six. And they continuing uh, daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart. Again, all good stuff. They are united. They are together. They are, they are worshiping together. They're praying together. They're fellowshipping together. They have the same mindset, the same heart, the same burdens. Look in verse 47. Praising God. That's good. Having favor with all, pe all the people. That's from God. And the Lord, it says, added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now catch this. People weren't added because people were continuing steadfastly in doctrine or breaking bread together or fellowshipping together or praying uh, faithfully. They, the church grew because the Lord added to the church. Now, again, we ought to worship. We ought to, 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 to continue steadfastly in, in sound biblical doctrine. We ought to pray. God is rewarding that. And I believe God's rewarding that. This is fruit of their labor, so to say. That's why God was adding here as well. But we see here that all these things people were doing in this early church were good. They were right. But that's not what brought people to the church. God brought people to the church. Now, I don't minimize our actions um, in Sunday school, when uh, Dr. Bill Rice was here, um, he preached uh, or taught a great lesson about our works showing our faith and the importance of it. And I know only the men were in here for that, and I didn't record it, so I'm sorry. But it was, it was great, greatly illustrated, greatly taught. Our works are important. Our actions are important. 
The fact that if we're not following sound doctrine, if we're not uh, praying, if we're not uh, being obedient to God, God will not bless the church. But don't ever take credit, and don't ever let me take credit for growing the church. Because it's not us that grows the church, it's God that grows the church. He will build His church. The church must be God's in order for God to bless it. If the church is my church, God's not going to bless it. I used to joke with one of my coworkers um, about uh, starting, uh, this is going to sound really bad, um, jokingly about starting a cult because uh, all the money that cult leaders have and they're filthy rich. He was asking me about the church and, and how much I got paid from the church, why I was working another job, that kind of stuff. And he said, I thought pastors were rich. And this was about the same time as that one megachurch guy bought a private jetter for $60 million or whatever it was that he paid for it. Um, and so he was trying to figure out why I didn't have the same kind of income that those people had. And uh, then jokingly got into, well, all you got to do is start a cult and then you can get all the money that you want and all this kind of stuff uh, from there. Uh, you know, there are different things that different people do to grow their so-called ministries. Um, but... If, if it's not God growing it, it will not last. It, will, it may have what we would see as earthly success, but at the end of the day, when, when those people stand before God, it's going to be a different result than when I stand before God or when you stand before God. God is the one that builds the church and grows the church, but he has to, it has to be God's church in order for him to bless it. In Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now listen to this one. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, God, might have the preeminence. God has to be first in the church in order for God to bless it. He's not going to bless a church that is, that is uh, well, this is a great preacher or a great pastor or these are great lay people who serve and are faithful uh, because they've grown their Sunday school class to this or they've, they've uh, done this or they've whatever. God blesses His things, whether it be His children who are obeying Him, His church who is following Him. God is the one that, that grows the church. So well, the first thing that God will do in the years ahead is He will build His church. I, I love our church. I, I honestly do. I am, I'm as happy as I've been um, with what God has given to us as a church right now. Uh, but I want to see it grow. I like you. I like spending time with you. But I want to spend time with other people too. And I, I want the church to grow, and I think you do as well. And uh, we have to continue to depend on God. We have to be faithful in what we are supposed to do. And we have to be dependent on what God can do and allow God to build His church, and He will do so in His time. Then also in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, number two, I want us to see that God will protect His church. Number one, God will build His church in the years ahead. God, number two, will protect His church in the years to come. At the end of verse 18, again it says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Back in this time, the, uh, the gates were a place, the gates of a city, were the place where a lot of business would, would be done. It was a place where the courts were held. It was a place where business was transacted and a place where they would deliberate over different public matters. 
Um, so they would come to the gates. So when speaking of the gates of hell, we're talking about the councils of hell, the purposes of hell, the goals of hell, the principles of hell, the schemes of hell, the hopes of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, that's not talking about every church individually because we can probably not take too long to do a Google search and find the church in which the gates of hell have, hell have prevailed against it. Where one day, at one time it was a, a good church that was preaching sound doctrine and today it is either closed or it, it is something that it should not be. But God is saying, my church, the, 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 what, I, what I have brought together, what believers, the, the, the principles of what I have set up for church to be, Satan cannot penetrate that. He will not be able to tear down what I have built. God is going to protect the church. Now, again, this comes back to us now. What we need to do to see God protect our church is we have to be obedient. We have to be obedient. God says, I will protect you. I will take care of you. When Satan attacks, I will be there to defend you. The exception is, is when we go, come on in, Satan. Have what you want. It's when we become prideful, when we become uh, judgmental, when we become, we're better than you, when we become, we deserve God and you don't. When we become, I'm not going to talk to those people. When we become, we need to attract people, so we need to add this. That's when the gates of hell can prevail. But when we are obedient to what God has for us, when we are doing what God wants us to do, the gates of hell, hell will not prevail against this church. God will protect this church. God is our shepherd. We'll look at that more in just a moment and actually the next point, but... One of the jobs of the shepherd is to protect the sheep. Protection. Sheep are not smart. Um, it's funny that, that God refers to us as His flock, and, and, uh, and I've heard pastors talk about their flocks before, and it gets a little dangerous when you start talking about how stupid sheep are. But uh, uh, sheep are not smart. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of attention. And God is our shepherd, and He says, when the wolf comes, I'm here to protect you, and I will protect you. Let's look more at God being our shepherd in point number three. Number one, He will build His church. Number two, He will protect His church. Number three, He will provide for His church. Look in Philippians 4. Philippians 4. God will provide for His church. Philippians 4. Um, verse 19 is the one I want to focus on, but let's jump ahead and see. Well, let's read, verse, let's read verse 19 and then we'll talk about it. Verse 19, Philippians 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Here Paul is talking to the church in Philippi and he's encouraging them with this thought. They had been faithful in providing for Paul and for Timothy, I believe it's Timothy in, in Philippians. Yeah, Timothy, Paul and Timothy. They had, they had sent things to Paul that he needed. They had taken care of Paul, sent him money when he needed money, possessions when he needed possessions. They had taken care of him. And now Paul turns to, to the church of Philippi and he says, My God shall supply all of your needs. Just as you've been supplying the needs that I've had, God is going to supply all of your needs. And He's going to do it according to His riches. 
to his possessions, to the things that he has, he will take care of you. God used the possessions of the people of Philippi to give to Paul, but God has all the riches that he needs, and he's going to care for them at all times. That's an encouraging thought. I know it is for me at least, that God is going to provide. I, I talked about it already, all the things that God's provided for this church, all the material things that we have, God has provided. The people that we have, God has provided. Everything that we have, God has provided for us. And I rest in the fact that God will supply all of our needs according to His riches uh, uh, for His glory. Uh, we see that in Psalm 23, 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That doesn't mean I, I won't desire things. It means I won't have need of anything. What I, what I need, God will give. The shepherd provides for the needs of the sheep. If the sheep want uh, their hair braided, God may go, no. <laughs> you don't need that. Right? And that's a silly illustration. But, no, you don't need that. But if the sheep say, I'm hungry, God's going to say, let's go down here to this field. I'm going to feed you. I'm thirsty. Let's go down to the brook. I'm going to water you. I'm in danger. Come over here. I will protect you. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. We will not have need of anything. God will provide for the needs that we have. This church from day one is a walking miracle. There was no, no excuse for us to survive five years. It just hasn't been. First building, we paid $1,400 a month, I believe, in rent. I think it was 14 or 12. I don't remember. I think it was, it was 14. We paid $1,400 a month in rent. We had nothing when we came here. Literally nothing. We didn't have people. We didn't have chairs. We didn't have a building. Nothing. So all of a sudden, we've got $1,400 rent. It's the only place we could find. Um, uh, church in Tennessee says we'll pay, we'll pay the rent. That's the only way we could do it. Uh, that's the way God provided. When they cut their, what they were sending, the Lord provided a building that was half the cost. God began to provide more people. When God cut the support completely, uh, we were getting a good chunk of change coming in. When God cut that out, God gave us more people locally. And God continued to provide every single day, every single week, every single month, every single need that this church has had, God has provided. And so we can know going forward, God will provide in the years ahead. He'll provide more people. He'll provide more buildings. Hopefully not too many more buildings. We can, but uh, he'll, provide, he'll provide what we need. Place to meet, people to meet with. God will provide. Number four, uh, five things God will do in the years ahead. Number one, he will build his church. Number two, he will protect his church. Number three, he will provide for his church. Number four, he will give direction for his church. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Do you know them? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. God will give us direction. He will continue to do so. In the years ahead, God will provide the direction uh, that He wants for us so that we can be where God wants us to be and accomplish what God wants us to do. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I believe the word vision here is speaking of the Word of God or the proclamation of the Word of God. I've heard this preached a couple of different times, and I believe it was out of context because it sounded good. Uh, but, uh, but when God says where there is no vision, the people f- uh, fall, um, the people perish, He's saying where there is not the proclamation of God's Word, it will fail. If you have a church, so-called church, that doesn't teach God's Word, it will not succeed. It will fail. And when I say succeed, again, it may succeed in man's eyes. But it will not succeed in reaching people for Christ and accomplishing the Great Commission of sharing the Gospel with people, baptizing them, training them in the ways of the Bible, teaching them what is right, what God has taught us. God is going to give us direction as long as we continue to proclaim God's Word. Psalm 119.105, which is the verse that gave us our church name, Thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. My feet, my path. Uh, God's Word gives us the direction that we need. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, uh, it's speaking about uh, that your eyes are going to see one thing. He's talking to, the, to, the, to Israel uh, in, in Isaiah, but he's saying you're going to be seeing teachers over here. And then uh, Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, And thine ears shall hear behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. God is going to direct. There are going to be things that are going to try to, to, to take us off focus. There are going to be things that are going to try to, 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 to pull us away from what God wants us to do. But God is going to be saying, this is where you're supposed to be. Now follow. Keep going. Psalm, uh, not Psalm, Isaiah 58, 11 says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Now in Isaiah, again, he's talking to Israel. But what a wonderful truth that I believe we can claim as well is that as we follow God, as we obey God, God says, I will guide you continually. You will be like a, 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 a garden, a watered garden, a spring of water that waters never fail. Your soul will be satisfied in drought and your bones will be fat. Now I know we'd say, well, we're not supposed to be fat. Um, we're going to not be scrawny and weak and barely surviving. God's going to bless. If you'll obey, God will give direction and instruction and lead you to a place that you can find biblical success, if I can use that word. Uh, I don't know what God will give us for directions as we move forward, but I can tell you this, we're going to follow. Whatever God says to do, we're going to do it. And, and that's what it comes down to because God has given us direction to survive five years. Um, I wish, and I still, I'm going to hound uh, Brother Roland. He was supposed to send us a video this week and, and give us some good stats on five-year church plants and the succession rate and the, how many churches fail to make five years and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, um, but he didn't have time to do it. So I'm going to hound him really hard and knock his support down a couple of dollars. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we have to understand this. God's going to give direction. And we have to come together as a church understand God's direction, and we have to faithfully follow whatever it is that God tells us to do. I don't know that there will be a time, but there may be a time that God says, I want you to do this. We look at it and go, I don't see how we can. Now sometimes that's because it's not God telling us to do it. Other times it's because God's saying, just have faith. So we come together, we pray about it, and together we say, all right, we're going to follow God. God gives us direction. He will give us direction in the years ahead, continuing to do so, and we will follow it. 
Number five, and lastly, five things God will do for us down the road. This is the one that I'm anticipating the most. And that is, God will give us a greater reach. A greater reach. And by that I mean impacting more people with the gospel. Um, Let's talk about that. Uh, We're going to talk about that locally here this morning. We'll talk about it universally this afternoon. But a multicultural impact, I've talked about this many times. In Acts 1.8, God tells the apostles, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So God is telling them, you're going to start in Jerusalem, but you're going to end at the uttermost parts of the earth. That's a a wide range, right? God in the Great Commission, which lines up perfectly with Acts 1.8, where He says, go into all the world and and teach every creature and preach the gospel to every creature. We have this understanding that that's, that's a big job, it's a big task, it's a large commission given to us. But we know that God is going to be with us as we, as we work on that commission. All right, so let's come back to this point locally. How in the world can we reach the world, every creature, with the gospel? We have to, first of all and foremost, be faithful in doing our part personally. So there's two ways that we do it here at our church. One is locally through our own witness through us talking to our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, strangers that we meet. The other way is through missionaries sending other people to go into other parts of the world that we cannot get to, that God has not called us to, to go to. Um, we send other people. And again, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in, in the next uh, service. And I know I've preached on this before, but you know, we don't have to go to Mexico to reach Mexicans. We don't have to go to China to reach the Chinese. We don't have to go to Korea to meet the Koreans. Why? Because they're right here. Not all of them. I understand that. But I don't know that our church is doing what it's supposed to do if we're only trying to reach a demographic. Our church has to be faithful. And and this comes with time. And this comes with growth. And and that comes with, with God's timing. But we need to be reaching each person, each community, each demographic age-wise, each nationality, each skin color, each language. God doesn't say, okay, well, Vince, you're a white English-speaking guy, so you go reach white English-speaking people. That's not what God says. He says, go into the world and reach every creature, every person. Proclaim the gospel to anyone that you, that you can. So that means that our church, and sadly today in America, churches aren't, aren't, not all of them, but most churches aren't doing this. You have a church that is predominantly white. You have a church that is predominantly black. You have a church that is predominantly Hispanic. You have a church that is predominantly, predominantly Korean, uh, whatever it may be. And it's not that you can't have, especially with Korean and Spanish churches, they're reaching people who speak that language. It's not that you can't do that. But God doesn't say just reach one specific people group. He says reach everybody. And I believe that in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the months to come, in the years to come, God will in our church grow our reach. Now, it's going to come to us submitting to God's will. 
It's going to come to us saying, God, how can we do that? We've tried to, to do the ESL classes, and the Lord has not uh, allowed us to get any students for that yet. We have, uh, we have prayed about some different things that we can do. I've, I have reached out to people who speak different languages about coming and, and being a part of our church and helping us in that area. Uh, there are different things that we can do, but it's going to start with what our theme is this year, Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me. What does he say? And I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So I can say, God, I have a burden to reach the different, the different people groups in our city. But I, I can't do that. Can I learn Spanish? Sure. I mean, I know a couple of words that I remember from high school. Um, I definitely can't hold a conversation. Uh, but uh, uh, can I learn Spanish? Sure, I could. Can I learn Chinese? Sure. Can I learn Korean? Sure. Can I, uh, whatever other languages are, are in Lexington, can I learn those? I can, uh, but it's going to take a lot of time. So uh, it's not to say that God, if God tells me to do it, I will. Uh, but God's saying, start reaching people because what's going to happen is we start reaching people. And guess what? This person's parents grew up in this country. And all their relatives speak that language. These people speak that language. There's the end, so to say. God moves a family to Lexington. They're looking for a church. Wouldn't you know it? They were helping, helping their, their church where they came from in their Chinese ministry. There's an open door. God says uh, the, the, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the God of the harvest, that He would send forth more laborers. Our goal in this church has never been to grow by getting other people from other churches. Our goal has always been to see people saved, baptized, discipled, grow in the church. And we haven't had a lot of, if I can use again the word success, I'm going to use that word lightly, uh, we haven't had a lot of success in that to this point. But we have had a lot of people who have gone to their co-workers and shared the gospel with them. We have had a lot of people who have gone to their neighbors and shared the gospel with them. We've seen that. We're faithful in that. We have to stay faithful in that because God will give us the harvest. But I believe that in time, God will give us a greater reach right here locally. We can reach people here in Lexington, maybe that speak Spanish, Fluently, they grew up with it, whatever it may be. They get saved. They get discipled through church. Maybe, just maybe, God will call them to be a missionary to go back to their, uh, where their parents are from or where they were originally from and, and start a church there. Maybe. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's possible. You say, well, how can we reach Mexico? Well, we can send people to Mexico or we can reach people here and ask God to send laborers maybe out of our church, that we have been able to help to train the disciple and to prepare for that ministry. I, I've said this again many times. Our church should never look, not, not, everybody in our church shouldn't look the same. That's, just, that's not what God called us to do. God called us to go out and reach every person, and as we are faithful in obeying God's command, we're going to see God extend our reach here locally and reaching the nation or the nations that are right here in our backyard. And we ought to be faithful and working diligently to do that, praying and asking God for opportunities, praying and asking God for, for, for vision, for ideas, 
for how we can better accomplish the Great Commission right here where we are. Five things that God will do in the road in the years to come. Number one, He will build His church. He will continue to do so. Number two, He will protect His church. He will continue to do so. Number three, He will provide for His church. He will continue to do so. Number four, He will continue to give us direction for where He wants us to, to be and do what He wants us to do. And then lastly, He will give us a greater reach right here where we are. I look forward to sharing with you some things that God has done with us in the past five years. Um, that we can rejoice and praise God for in the service to come. Lord, I pray for your help. We desperately need it. Lord, I'm thankful for the church that you are building. I'm thankful for the people that you've brought here, that you've assembled together for the purpose of learning, worshiping, and reaching others. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would guide us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, direct us. Lord, I pray that you would build us. But God, this morning I close with this prayer. Would you help us to be more effective, to have a greater impact with the gospel? Lord, would you help us to be faithful? Lord, would you help us to be, uh, as we are faithful, Lord, will you reward us with fruit? God, I pray that you would diversify our church. Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to reach different uh, languages with the gospel. Lord, I pray that you will grow us, grow our heart, grow our burden. Lord, Lord, grow our love for other people that we have not reached to this point. Lord, that we may reach in the years to come. Lord, we praise you for what you have done in this church. And Lord, we will continue to praise you for the things you will do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.